Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends. Webby found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who is embracing his inner villain, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? I am absolutely always leaning into that role. Uh, Gerald, we we had Coach Beard kind of put the quotes out there that this uh, this thing ain't for everybody. You know, uh, you got to come here and lean into that role. And I think he really wants the Texas basketball program to uh, to lean into the the bad guy role that I think Gerald and I have advocated on this very podcast for quite some time. Um, but I, I think that mentality wouldn't hurt, right? We're about to talk about Big Twelve football opening, and there's going to be a lot of teams who we either go to their stadium or they come to ours who will inherently probably already did but especially this year think of us as the bad guy so just embrace it lean in uh i like that from coach beard a lot i i think chips on the shoulder uh are nice and they you know they they make it's easy to be the underdog when you are just the the overdog the dog the favorite whatever uh it's easy to to have someone step up and punch you in the chin unless you just lean into being the bad guy so again i think that is truly the thing that, that is lacking from Texas. Uh, again, the most successful athletic department in the country last year, taking even a step further. Uh, if you're into the blues and you haven't heard of Fantastic Negrito, you should look him up. Um, but he has a song off of his like Grammy award-winning album called Bad Guy Necessity, where it's about how everybody needs somebody to blame because they don't want to deal with their own insecurities, their own uh, shortcomings, right? It's like, the lyrics like, everybody needs a bad guy, they need someone to blame. And like, that's part of, I think, the mindset that that Chris Beard is uh, leaning into. And that's good. It allows you to, once you get to where you should be, when you get to the pinnacle, it allows that chip to stay on your shoulder, right? Because now, not only does everybody hate you for being you, but they hate you because you are better than them and you are you, right? And I'm not saying that Texas is in that second scenario yet at basketball or football, but they are in a situation where they could position themselves to be. And one of the teams that hates Texas, we're actually here to talk about today, Texas opens up conference play this weekend against the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Those sand Aggies coming to town. And it's a weird situation to preview. And this is, again, one of the, I'm like, I don't, I don't know how much we can make of Texas Tech at this point because they come into town with one of the better, at least statistical defenses in the conference, but it's hard to tell what they're made of because they're coming off of a big win against FIU. They played S- Stephen F. Austin close. They played Houston close. Uh, so I don't necessarily know what to make of them, but statistically, uh, like garbage time adjusted, they're like one of the top 15 schools in the con- in the country, 1.75 points per drive. I think they're the best one in the conference. Again, that's floated by beating the tar out of FIU, but like on a per drive basis, they're not giving up a ton of scoring. And so I'm curious to, to see what this this defense that Tech brings to town, kind of led by their linebackers, uh, can do against Texas and its offense. 
the defense to me is is interesting because you know they're good. Their defensive line is not huge, but even their uh, defensive coordinator was talking about in his presser this week that teams so far have been surprised. And again, let's put the caveats that U of H is an okay team, but that's really the only team that Tech has played so far where they, you know, again, we're not in a different division, different class. Um, teams have been surprised by the size of their defensive line and, and how – while undersized, they're hard to move. Um, that, that may be true. I think that's true. And I think the linebacking group especially is one of the better ones in the Big 12. I have my questions about the secondary specifically uh, for this Tech team, for, for you know their, their pass uh, coverage and, and ability to stop uh, the ball in the air and get to the quarterback. Now, our offensive line, we'll talk about, may, may – uh, <laughs> aid uh, a team that that you know uh isn't stopping the pass well by again playing uh matador with some defensive linemen um uh, which again i hope uh, don't hope that happens but that has been a bit of a, a worrying trend um but i, I do think you know t- texas is going to want to come out and, and establish running the ball they're going to want to get Bijan roshan keelan all, all the ons um the 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 ball on the ground. And I think against Arkansas, they saw the need to establish that early. Um, but they are going to want to open it up. And again, um, I think Stephen F. Austin is the playbook a little bit there. They were unable to run. And so what did they do? Well, they just started passing. And again, very much should have won that game against Tech. Um, but yeah, I mean, Stephen F. Austin's Trey Self, who I'm going to imagine both the Texas quarterbacks are better. Um, <laughs> he threw, and again, no knock on Trey Self, um, threw for 350 yards against this defense. That's 100 yards more than he was able to muster against Mississippi Valley State or Tarleton, the other two opponents that Stephen F. Austin uh, has played. And again, they're putting together a good little program, Stephen F. Austin. I don't mean to knock them, but but if you're playing down a level opponent and they, they throw for 350 on you, that's probably saying something. And again, when when... FCS or Division Two level opponents are holding that quarterback to 100 yards less. So, I think that that the quarterback will be and receivers will be important in this one. But uh, there is no doubt in my mind that the running game is going to help set that up and also take the pressure off of receivers and quarterback to make that happen. For me, and you mentioned it, and I think it all comes down to how does Texas's front six ish because they're probably going to run a lot of one tight, if not two tight sets in this game. Like, how does that front unit? line up against let's be honest like tech's defense still needs a little bit of, of proving but two guys that don't really need a ton of proving are colin schooler and uh, rico jeffers two of ease it's probably the best linebacker tandem in the conference i would say at this point like at those two guys will probably end up at least having a cup of coffee in the nfl there are some good there are some really good linebackers out there but when it comes to the mix of experience and talent i don't know if there's two that have it kind of meet at the highest point of the cross section than those two and and Schooler is leading that defense 17 tackles two for loss Jeffers has 10 a tackle for loss and an interception and so I think can Texas force those guys to make decisions and then punish them for those decisions because they're two really decisive linebackers they're going to make they're going to read the play and make the play and so can Texas especially again with its offensive line and we don't know if that's the case punish them for those decisions put them in situations where it's a no win where Texas has found success or can find success in this offense. Like that's the question I have is can Texas capitalize on Bijan's ability or will he have to break tackles at the line of scrimmage and then let Schooler and Jeffers come and clean them up pretty quickly. Like that's, that's what I've got my eye on the most this weekend. Yeah. We said about our own Schooler, we've joked multiple times on the podcast, we got the cooler Schooler, but believe you me, I would have not minded having Colin Schooler continue on down uh, the road from, 
Arizona or Oregon, wherever exactly he was on his road trip, uh, and just keep going past Lubbock and come to Austin, we would we would certainly not turn uh, him away. But he is he is at Tech and he is playing well uh, there. Obviously, um, two two uh, pieces of, of fact. This you know I do think Iowa State, by the way, is is Mike Rowe. They have a really good linebacking, so we'll see. But they you're right, they are in the the top portion. But one that. Um, will cool our expectations if you if you want to be a, a dater or excuse me a hater and a doubter um that the first piece will be for you and skip the second and if you are an internal optimist just skip the first and listen to the second the first is that this is what you would classify <clears throat> as a linebacker led defense um, texas has played one of those this season and that was arkansas and that didn't go so hot so just think about that tex will the success of their defensive unit will kind of begin and end with how well, the, like you said, those linebackers are freed up to be playmakers for that unit. Um, the good thing that I want everyone to hear is, again, I mentioned Stephen F. Austin kind of having the blueprint. They have a an undersized wide receiver, um, last name Gibson, who went off for 13 catches, 158 yards. Not the biggest guy, but just uh, has some giddy up in his go. Um, his first name, this undersized quick Wide receiver named Gibson, who caught 13 passes for 158 against Texas Tech. That's right, Xavier. So just keep that in mind uh, if you're expecting what Texas should do. Um, I think Gerald and I both know. Uh, throw the ball to X, the X receiver, Xavier Worthy. Um, it just makes sense. It's all written in the stars. Uh, big game for him seems, hopefully, fingers crossed, likely. There's a lot to be said. I think Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington will both have a lot to say in this matchup. I think Texas uh, will likely try to get both of them on the... I think Texas is going to get as much speed on the field as they can and see if Texas Tech can can keep up. I would love to see, again, Bijan, Keelan, or Roshan and Keelan. I think one of those two, plus Worthy, plus... A Whittington on the field at the same time and make Tech pick its poison. I think that's probably uh, a winner for Texas, at least schematically. Uh, but you have to be aware that, you know, in three games, Tech has eight sacks for 58 yards, and Texas has had problems limiting contact with the quarterback, even against Rice. You know, Casey took three big shots. One of them turned into an interception. Probably should have tucked it and held on to it, but that's fine. There, So that's something that, like, I've got my eye on. It's like, can... Can will the line hold up? And that is going to be the question for the rest of the year. Will the line hold up? Can the line hold up? Will they be able to hold up to this? Now, something that I think Texas has an opportunity uh, to do is, you know, if Texas can get past and get into scoring position, Tech has not necessarily been as great. You know, Texas or Tech is averaging giving up four points per scoring opportunity, which is like third worst in the conference, which is mm. anytime you get past the 40, they consider that a scoring opportunity. And so like, if you can capitalize on that early and often, they're seven of 10 for the, in the red zone. So again, you can set, get 70% of the time you can score. That's pretty solid. So I think that's something to look out for is, is how if Texas can sustain drives and get to the positive side of the field, they will likely be an opportunity to put up points. And so it, that's going to be the question. Can Texas stay ahead of the chains? Can we keep Bijan in front of the chains? Can we keep Casey off his backside long enough to stay on schedule, stay ahead of the chains, and get your get yourself into a you know a 10-12 play drive that puts you in a scoring position? And that tech defense has shown a little bit that they they will bend, and if you bend them enough, they will break. Yeah, and, and FIU, I talked about SFA kind of doing it with some over-the-top plays. They also did some short passes. FIU, um, their success in the passing game came on a lot of screen work. Um, and again, that's the most recent game. FIU not 
a great team by any stretch, but I would be I would be very curious again to see Jordan Whittington, who had a lot of success with turning short passes into medium to good gains in the past. I think he's going to have something to prove after you know not a great Arkansas showing and then really not a ton to do against Rice. I think there's going to be something to prove for him. I think that's a good point, um, but I, I really think that anyone on that Texas tight end or wide receiver room will be the best at that position that the tech defense has faced this year, right? Like just kind of put it that way. I think uh, Houston's got some players. I don't mean to disparage what is a, you know, a, a decent team, but they, I mean, they, they took four interceptions off uh, Houston's quarterback tune or whatever. And, you know, that was, that was the difference of the game. And I just don't think Casey Thompson, who's starting this game has four interceptions in him. I'm not saying he doesn't have one, but I, 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 I we're having a whole different conversation about our season if, if you know, they're, if he's throwing four interceptions, right? I think, you know, if they are able to run their their uh, play actions and kind of get the single looks with some of the speed we have in the receiver room, I think um, there should be shots to be taken downfield, which Casey hasn't really got to unleash yet and I think really wants to do, you know, showed what he could do in the bowl game. Um, I think, you know, has, has big arm. We've missed those all year. Our offense just absolutely clicks. And we saw against Rice again we ran the wildcat but didn't really open up the playbook it's Big 12 play now so you might see a little bit more from Sark next week against TCU and then ultimately against OU that playbook will be full wide open um, but I think you're going to see a little bit more maybe some some motions um, you know pre-snaps seeking out matchups maybe you know some additional RPOs so I, I think now it's it's Big 12 I we're in a different season, Daryl. Literally, um, we're recording this on on Wednesday, which is the first day of fall. We had our our non conference summer games, our jambalaya uh, off non conference games. I, I mentioned Louisiana pig rice. Um, we are now in a whole different season. We are in fall. It is a different game. Big Twelve play. We want to, you know, be in the mix at the end of this, in the conference season to to play for the conference. So I think the Texas offense has a lot to prove uh, in what they can do this week in Week One of the Big Twelve. And again, I think uh, there are some guys who are going to be who are, it's going to be in their ear that they they need to prove something. Casey Thompson obviously knows that, uh, and you've heard the Herculean study stories about what he does to prepare. Uh, it's not going to be lost on him um, that uh, that you know he this is his time to prove something in Big Twelve play when it matters against a good opponent. So I, I think you know he's going to want to have something something to say. This it's one of those weird situations where I think if Texas can crack one in either side of the of the offense, that will open things up, right? I think if Texas can crack a big passing play, if, if Casey can connect with Xavier Worthy, and I wouldn't be shocked to see Sark maybe take a shot early uh, on the on the first couple of drives to kind of relax that defense a little bit, because I guarantee you, Tech's game plan defensively is going to come and load the box. They're going to come and bring mm-hmm. extra guys into the box. They're going to try Texas to. They're going to dare Texas to beat them uh, through the air, and so I think. Sark's got to take some shots early. He's got to get probably his his two most three, well two of his three most talented skill position players in Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington involved in the offense. And so I think I would love to see him take a shot at one of those two guys or Josh Moore, kind of trying to stretch the defense a little bit and force Tech out of the box. And if he can force Tech out of the box, that's when that zone blocking will take off for the running game and Bijan will find it. Because let's be honest, like the zone blocking scheme is perfect for what Bijan does because he's going to find a scene. He's going to hit it hard, and he's yeah. going to get you seven yards a carry, which is great. Stay ahead of the chain. Seven yards a carry, even if you get five yards a carry. I don't even get seven feels greedy. Five yards a carry <laughs> is good in this. So if you can connect on one of those shots, and again, I wouldn't be shocked to see Sark take a couple shots early to try to relax that defense and back off what Tech is probably trying to do uh, because they know that Bijan is the dude. 
I, what I saw from from Kelvante Dixon, I, I really would like to see more of him. We saw his speed again, going back to the bowl game. Yep. A guy who who showed off the ability to go track down the deep ball when Casey throws it. Um, he blocked really well late into that Rice game. Just looked like he was putting 100 effort out there. I hope it's rewarded. He's a guy who just looks good. Um, you know, I. I of course, we'd like to see Josh Moore get more involved. I've been calling, you know, since the offseason for that, but that's going to be on him and, and, and him making the plays. But I would like maybe to see some Kelvante Dixon opportunities out there as well. What packages get him, uh, you know, especially if he, you know, if they dare put a, a safety or a linebacker near him, it, it could be could be a bad look. I think, you know, we're beyond that point where, where teams will try to do that with Xavier Worthy. He's going to get a defensive back locked in on him, I think, after showing out a bit last week. So um, who's the next guy who's going to step up? And for me, I really like, I like Kelvante Dixon in that in that slot assuming he gets the opportunity i think kelvante dixon is a guy who's got some opportunities to to inflate his role in the offense if he can you know make a couple of catches if he can fill in that slot position and and make a couple guys miss and come up with a big play he's a guy texas is looking for playmakers offensively Mm -hmm. and so i think if he's a guy that can step in i mean think uh, they got worthy involved early and often because they need playmakers so i would be i wouldn't be shocked to see the next guy whoever makes the next couple of big plays to see their role increase as well and so that is really the story for me is like who's going to make the plays for texas offensively to to hopefully cause this tech defense to uh, get on their heels a little bit and relax because again if if the defense is dictating what you're doing offensively it's going to be a long night so switching to the offense again these numbers are weird because tech had a kind of again they floated by beating the tar out of the FIU uh, but they're averaging 40 points per game uh, like that includes all three games if you adjust that for uh, FBS and garbage time they're averaging about 3.38 points per drive which is uh, not Super awful. 5.4 points per scoring opportunity. Again, if they get across the 40, they're scoring on average five points. Texas is number two in the conference right behind them. 5.36. So there's a lot of there's a lot of conversation uh, about what Tech's offense is going to be because. So Roderick Thompson coming into the season, we all know who he is. He's the guy that cracked off the long run that should have just kneeled last year against Texas and <laughs> things would have gone differently. Uh, he played briefly in the in the FIU game. He's still rehabbing from a shoulder. Taj Brooks is a guy who came in and, and kind of took advantage of the opportunity and made the most of it. Leading rusher, 284 yards, four, four touchdowns. Again, he's a guy who can make plays. He Again, Gary Patterson wanted him at running back, yeah. so that's all you need to know. Uh, Xavier White's another kid who was a walk-on at wide receiver. Tyler Shuck, we still, again, don't necessarily know what he is. Through three games, he's he's got 806 touchdowns. But, again, the 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 opposition, the uh, opponents haven't been great. And then he's got, obviously, his favorite target, uh, Eric Uzakonma, who is – Quietly, I think, weirdly, quietly leading the conference in receiving uh, with 350 and a touchdown. So, like, the offense has guys, but what is the talent they've been playing against and what will that look like on Saturday? Yeah, I'm I'm honestly surprised that uh, Tyler Shuck has 30 completions to people not named Eric as Uncama. Easy E for the rest of this podcast from me. Uh, Easy E is, is uh, uh, hard to pronounce, harder to cover, uh, is a uh, very good receiver. Our good friend Albie Shore came on this very podcast and said, best receiver in the Big 12 hot take. Um Right now, I don't know that anyone is is um, stepping up to say absolutely not. Right, he he's looking very good, and and again is is just by exponents the the 
the number one receiver for that team. I think, you know, Texas defense will spend a lot of time keeping an eye on, on him, whether that's, you know, uh, one of our corners locked on and some help over the top. Um, I, I think their game plan is going to center around probably taking him away, making Tyler Shuck, who again is, if you read off season, you know, reports, a, absolute first round draft pick maybe number one quarterback taken but if you watch football is like the seventh best quarterback in the big 12 right now something like that so wherever he falls between those two uh reality or you know uh prognostication um i don't hate the idea of making him beat you with his other weapons right they have a good tight end tech tech always has good tight ends um but, you know, they, they don't have as deep or at least as um, established a wide receiver room outside of easy E. Um, so I, I think it'll be interesting. I think the tech run game, again, is feasted on minnows. Um, uh, Taj Brooks is, is a good, he's a talented kid. I think Sir Roderick Thompson is legitimately a very good running back and a deep running back uh, conference this year. Might be, you know, third or fourth best, which again, would, would, Bijan and Brees at the top there's 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 a lot of good running backs to be had and he's he's in that conversation so you know how healthy he is have they been holding him back basically waiting for Texas um we'll see he only got four carries in the in game one but you know I don't think he's 100% still or at least 100% game ready they might have him on a limited rep count but is is a guy who can who could do some things so it'll be interesting what their run versus pass you think about we spent all that time talking about a tech defense usually a tech preview podcast you just open up, start talking about the tech passing attack. This is a different Texas tech team. They, they're, they're, uh, as we said, better on defense, um, improved there. They, they run the ball, uh, significantly better than, than you expect from kind of the, the stereotype of a Texas tech team. Um, again, they do have a great receiver as you expect, at least one of them, uh, out there in Lubbock. But, uh, I think this offense will look a little bit different if you haven't watched, uh, any tech this year than maybe what, uh, you're anticipating. But, uh, I, I would be very curious. This will be a good measuring stick for coach Kwiatkowski, who, um, again, shut down all kinds of different defenses in assignment Washington has shown kind of a keep it in front of you Ben don't break uh defensive strategy this year with some good red zone defense so far so it'll be very interesting how they're going to attack this what they're going to try to take away or if they're just going to kind of keep it in front of them and wait for tech to uh to beat themselves um so I, I I will be very curious of this matchup specifically I think the thing for me in this game and again uh, I'm going to sound like a broken record but like can the Texas front live up to the expectations that we had of mm-hmm. them preseason because what the per- the perfect game for Texas is that the Texas offensive line and those linebackers are able to play good gap assignment football and keep everything in front of them so Texas can dedicate you know one and a half two defenders staying over the top of of Uzakama. and so that will allow Texas to really play and, and dictate to Texas Tech what this game plan is going to be but that's a big if because again two weeks ago we saw that texas front get absolutely manhandled by arkansas now i think i don't know what what the talent differential or what the the skill differential between arkansas and tech in and texas tech is but that's the storyline that i'm watching is like if this group is good as good as advertised i can play up to what they're billed to be on the front that allows mm-hmm. a lot more freedom in the back end and i honestly think that's why pk's plan against arkansas was what it was because he trusted the front to get it done and they just didn't and so does he come in with an altered game plan and does this front reward him or punish him for his decision that's the that's the thing i've got my eye on on saturday if again these guys who are, you know, I think we're going to talk about 
Keandre Coburn being a guy who's going to play at the next level. Tamandre Sweat's a guy who's going to play at the next level. Like, if these guys, DeMarvian Overshawn is a guy who's going to play at the next level. If those guys can play up to their potential and they can play within the system and, and really keep the running backs from getting going, that opens up a ton for Texas on the back end of the, the defense. If they can get the front shored up, then they'll that backside of the defense will only benefit and, and look better than they have in a long time. Yeah, and, and and this will be this will be a good measuring stick, a good test. Um, uh, they're going to play, you know, progressively harder opponents. I don't think Texas is the, the one of the top three or four, or five teams in the conference, but they are a good, solid team who can do some some solid things on the offensive side of the ball from different points. So this is a chance for Texas, exactly like you said, to prove, um, you know, if it's not those guys whose names we know, who we expected, who's going to step up, right? Um, is it going to be one of the young guys? Is Alfred Collins going to, you know, have a, have an impact here? Who's it going to be? Who's going to step up and, and do something? Is Brocker Meyer going to play his, his tail off and get him an interception? I really want that guy to get one like he did in spring, uh, you know, uh, uh, underneath jumping one of those routes. So I am, uh, I am, this is a. I will leave this game with our. Please tune into our instant reaction with a, with a, a good uh, kind of a read on how I feel about this defense for for the next few weeks and months. Uh, as you know, we were installing a system. Gonna gonna have to figure it out a bit, but uh, you know, th- this should be a good chance to make a statement. Yeah. Again, if the Texas defense can, uh, this will erase a lot of the wrongs from two weeks ago. If the Texas defense can play up to the billing and they can play up to what it has, Texas can generate some pressure. You know, again, Texas tech has only allowed four sacks on the year. So that's something to be cognizant of. We do also have to talk about the special teams. Um, this is one that I don't necessarily know that Texas special teams will be much of a positive force just because tech has not necessarily allowed, uh, a ton of returns. I think 13 of 22 kickoffs have gone for touchbacks. So again, a high clip there, Austin McNamara, their punter, who's one of the better punters in the conference. Five of his 12 are inside the 20, eight of them are fair caught. So like it's, it's, he's got an opera again. I don't think this is one that, that Jamison and worthy on the return game. are going to have a big impact on, but if it comes down to a game winner, that's longer than 40, they're, Kicker is not tested yet. Uh, Jonathan Garibay is his name, and he hasn't kicked anything this year longer than 40. So that's something to be cognizant of if this is a tighter game. Yeah, Garibay's an interesting kid. I've, I've been watching him just because in his first picture, it, it tacked just the way he had his hair kind of styled and this like kind of cocky look on his face for a kicker, which I love. And the kind of dangly earring he had, it looked like he was auditioning to be in the, the Rufio uh, remake. Um, and, and I love that for him. Um, but yeah, he, he's he's a kid who's who's got something to prove, but you know, I think still a little bit unseen there. Austin McNamara is very good. Uh, he has proven, and he had an 87-yarder against West Virginia last year. He got some wind, of course, out in the Lubbock Plains. But uh, he, <laughs> to kick an 87-yarder, you got to have a leg. Let's hope he out kicks his coverage once and uh, gives Deshaun James in like five yards ahead of steam um, or, or Xavier Worthy, whoever's back there. Um, I, I think either of those guys with a little bit of little little bit of uh, head start are, are going to be tough. And, and again, I think tech is tech is good on special teams. So I don't expect this to necessarily, you know, tip the game in, in UT's favor. But um, I think, you know, UT is the potential to be elite on special teams. So let's see who wins this battle. This will be a good thing to watch uh, when we tune back in. So I think it's that time, Kyle. I think it's that time. We're going to start with our players of the game let's start there Kyle who is going to be your if things go right let's let's couch this if things go well <laughs> for Texas who is going to who will be your player of the game my dream world I see Casey Thompson as the player of the game for this one I see a really efficient day um you know it, 
keeping the ball from from turning over. I think if they can do that, that really helps Texas' chances. Um, getting the, the run game going, you know, being smart, reading the defense, knowing that defense really well because he's studied up. Um, I think, you know, hitting some of the deep shots that we've so badly uh, lacked this year can really do a lot for the offensive's confidence and I think just the whole our whole perspective of this offense. Um, so I think if, if, you know, an ideal world, he's going to have a good completion percentage, a low turnover uh, number, and just kind of go out and, and move the offense down the field. I don't think it's going to be a big day of him running for a bunch of yards, but also being smart when help the offensive line when someone you know gets back there, being able to uh, make the play, tuck it, take five yards, and, and live to to you know fight for a second and third down. So I think a smart game from Casey Thompson will make him my player of the game for the offense. I love it. Uh, so I think my player of the game, and I, I'm going to go back to the well, and I'm going to say DeMarvian Overshone is going to be my player of the game because I think nice. if if Texas, again, like we talked about, if the Texas front is playing up to what it should, then you're going to see a lot of him and Brockermeyer in their gap fits, and they're going to be they're going to be pivotal to shutting down that that Texas Tech balance because again, Matt Wells wants to be balanced, and so if they can get them off balance, it's going to be a big game from DeMarvian Overshone. Now again, that's that's also me backdooring and saying like, you know, Snacks Coburn will also probably could also be nominated for player of the game, but he won't show up as much on the stat sheet. So I'll go with a guy that we likely will see at the top of the defensive stat sheet. And that is DeMarvian overshone. All right, it's time. The moment we've all been waiting for Kyle pod Stradamus. What is your pod Stradamus pick? Gerald, a university of Texas quarterback has not, uh, has not yet, thrown for more than 225 yards in a game this season. I think that streak ends this week. Uh, I think my Podstradamus is that not only 225, I think Casey Thompson, who I, again, in my ideal world, so that's what I'm picking here, uh, will will be get the offense going. We'll have more than 250 yards passing. He has 262 on the year, so basically doubling that. I'm not expecting him to have to get 500, you know, in an old-school Texas Tech uh, shootout of yesteryear. I don't think he needs uh, to basically double our team's passing on the year at 576, but I think he will have greater than 250 in the air. Uh, I hope he spreads that out to a couple guys, too. It's it's a big swing, Kyle. I'll be honest with you. It's a very, very big swing, but I don't hate it at all. So my Podstradamus prediction for the offense is that Bijan Robinson gets at least 25 touches in the game. Bijan sets it's actually it would be a career high for him, I believe, 25 touches in the game. I love that. I like that. I, I think uh, we'll we'll make it easy for both of us and let him get like twelve receptions for you know one hundred and sixty yards. That'd be that'd be a good way to do it. Great. Uh, <laughs> that make both of us happy. Uh, that was one thing him in the passing game that that um, I felt like disappeared a little bit from week one, which was a, a great success for us. So let's see if we can get that back. So all right, switching to the defense, Gerald. Um, uh, on this one, I I went back and forth a couple times on on how far I wanted to stick my neck out, um, but I am I am going to be uh, is as bold as a celebrity with a with an opinion on current events. I'm just going to go right out there, and I'm going to say I think um, Texas will hold the best receiver in the Big Twelve okay. uh, right now, as he is as he is uh, proclaimed and also delivering. Under 130 yards. That number I figured out, tried to figure out where to stick it uh, in in the ground. I think that's what he's averaging uh, a game thereabouts. So um, 
I'm going to say 130 yards is uh, will be under that. Hoping they don't get 70 of that on one big one over the top. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make our text furious and the sweat uh, pour from my brow. But, yeah, sub-130 for Easy e who, again, is a heck of a wide receiver. Okay, that's okay. I've got a couple in my head, and I don't know which one I want to go with. So we're just going to go with our gut. I think that Texas is going to have at least two sacks in this contest. Now, again, Tech has only given up four on the year. So that is 50% of their sack production on the year. I think they will come out of this game giving up at least six on the year. So two in the game, and they will obviously increase their number to at least six. I like that one a lot. I think we talked about different guys on the defense who we like and and Coburn and and Overshen, but I think Ovi uh, is a guy who showed just a lot of natural uh, pass rushing skill uh, on the edge in in, in week one and and against Rice as well. But in the the kind of run game that Arkansas did, he he got a little bit out of place with those kind of aggressive – not always keeping contained rushes off the edge. So if, if tech is dropping back, I think he's a guy who's going to have his ears pinned back. And, and uh, I, I like that. I think he, if we get two, I would be shocked if he doesn't have at least one of them. I, I like that. Again, if that comes true for me, uh, I'll obviously be back in the game. So, so a quick recap of the Potsdamas. Kyle has Casey Thompson going for at least 250 and less than 130 yards for Eric Uzakanma. I have Bijan getting at least 25 touches in the game, and Texas walks away with two sacks. So, following the game this week, we'll be back with our live recap, our live stream. You can catch it on our Facebook page, The Longhorn Republic. We'd love to have you there as well. It is an early game, so it'll be around 2.30 or 3, so I guarantee you one or both of my children will try to invade the live stream, but we'll try our best (laughs) to keep that from happening. All right, Gerald, let's take a quick look at the rest of the Big 12. We had a great... um from wins and losses perspective showing in this one. Um, so let's start at the top, the the team that currently sits at the top of the power rankings, OU. Um, not 1,000% convincing win over Nebraska, who, again, has not 1,000% looked like they are a good team. Uh, this year, 23-16 to 16 over Nebraska. Now, it did feature uh, one of the the interceptions of all time. That was a great play. Um, some argued that, you know, it, it was uh, hurt the field position game um, to, to get the interception. But man, when you can do that, you do that. I did like the wide receiver um, who w- was targeted on that pass, retweeting it and, and basically saying, I let him have it for the field position, which I love that. I just love, I love kids on social media, man, that it's, it's, it's more fun this way. But Joe, what'd you, what'd you come away from that one thinking? Honestly, it's funny because Nebraska spent time trying to get out of that game. But I think what we saw in Nebraska, I think, has a better defense than we're giving them credit for. I think this year, I think that's one of the things that Scott Frost. I think if they have a better quarterback than Adrian Martinez, they win that game by probably a couple of scores. Uh, because Adrian Martinez, just not very good. Um, and he, you could see that in their comeback attempt. He was just not the greatest uh, on that interception. So I think... Uh, OU looks infinitely beatable. I don't know if Texas is the team to do it, but I think they'll probably they'll probably put up a stinker at some point this year and get caught slipping. And that's honestly the story of the year, I think, for most of the top teams. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Every team in the country right now looks fallible. Like I think there's been a past where it just was such an elite separation of of the top teams. You know, LSU looked like a machine two years ago. Alabama was an absolute the most perfect offense of all time last year. Uh, everyone looks a little bit flawed. Ohio State, obviously. Um, you know, Clemson, they just teams look 
like a bit more human, which makes this an interesting year. Having a year one coach, we don't necessarily think we're going to just catapult into that, but it does make it interesting that Texas is in the mix, at least in the Big 12 um, for anyone. There's a there's a crowded middle, but honestly, anyone can beat anyone because I think everyone is fallible in this conference and probably in the, in college football this year. Probably the second best team right now in, in the conference uh, after OU, again, excluding Texas from this list, is Iowa State. They had a convincing victory over UNLV 48-3. to I think they got off to a slow start uh, on that one, but then just, you know, uh, rammed it down. And again, Matt Campbell looks worse in the beginning of the season than he does in the end of the season, so the fact that he's putting up 45-point victories over anyone, again, remember, uh, they very much struggled against Iowa State rival, very much historically their rival, uh, a rival who's beat them many times, uh, Northern Iowa, in the beginning <laughs> so to see them get the 45-point uh, win you know, is a, probably a, a chance to exercise some demons that Iowa placed on them. Um, so we'll, we'll see where they, they land in the middle. West Virginia uh, had probably the win of the week for the Big 12, 27-21 over Virginia Tech. Uh, that Virginia Tech team is, is, is good, um, but they're probably in the crowded middle of the ACC. Um, so good win for Virginia Tech. They kind of tried to, to give it away, but uh, they were able to pull it out. Uh, ultimately, Virginia Tech, an interesting team. They could finish anywhere from three to six and seven in the Big 12. Will will be interesting to see where they lie. They're, they're, I think they're sneaky good, and I think their defense is, is better than we anticipate. Um, so I, I wouldn't, like, again, I wouldn't be shocked if they're the team that beats OU just because, again, that sure. would be the type of dumb thing that would happen this year. West Virginia knocks off OU and creates some sort of weird tiebreaker situation in the Big 12 because that's where we're at currently in the world of college football. Right, and probably the Vegas uh, odds-on favorite to beat OU just because, again, this is what this man lives for, and I love it, Chris Kleiman, coaching the K-State uh, Wildcats over the uh, over Nevada, 38-17. to Again, that is without starting quarterback. Uh, so it was interesting to see them be able to get a little offense going in that one. Um, K-State is an interesting team. They, they haven't had the most even of seasons so far, but really no one in the big 12 has. So data samples are small for everyone, but will be interesting there. We talked about tech, obviously getting the FIU uh, victory, Oklahoma state, Gerald, this is their best win of the season, beating Boise state 21 to 20. But uh, this is not felt like an impressive start at any point this season for Oklahoma state. Uh, we weren't sure how good they would be, but some people had them, you know, as high as like number three above Texas behind Iowa State in the power rankings of the Big 12. So I, I'm not, I still don't know what to make of this Oklahoma State team. The offense is just weird. Like, I don't know what Sanders is. I don't know if he's good. I don't think good is the thing that he is, but I don't know what Spencer Sanders is. <laughs> I don't think they know what their offense is. Again, um, Oklahoma State is a team that's run off a bunch of offensive coordinators, and the offense kind of honestly gets worse and worse every time they do. Uh, Mike Gundy might be the common denominator in all of that, but I don't know if we're ready to have that conversation. They won the game off of a special teams block. So, again, that was an infinitely losable game for them. I think if their defensive lineman has, like, a quarter-inch smaller hands and they're walking away from the blue turf with an L. This would not be a good season to be an Oklahoma State fan. I think it's going to be close all year. We've done that before. It's, uh, it doesn't make for easy watching. Um, TCU was on by, so the last uh, – that's all the out-of-conference games. There was one Big 12 game this week, kind of the – perennial cellar dweller we all knew kansas wasn't particularly good so almost like starting with one more fcs or lower uh group of five i'll say opponent uh baylor put a hurting on kansas 45 to 7 i don't know which team this says more about um i i think 
probably Kansas than Baylor, though again, Baylor getting some things going here. They are you can't fault them for beating who's in front of them. It just so happens that they have played absolutely horrendous. Kansas is by exponents the hardest opponent they've played so far. So um, you know, but you gotta win the games in front of you, and they've done them convincingly. So Baylor interesting team uh i i don't know that they'll stay undefeated for much longer but uh interesting team nonetheless yeah i think again i think bohannon is is what that offense needs and i think we saw charlie brewer transfer to utah and then transfer out of utah after <laughs> losing the starting position so i think that that might be the missing sauce i think they're they could be good but again kansas is really bad and getting worse so i don't know if that's um that's indicative of anything at this point yeah that's a good point there's uh let's let's take a talk about the the next level nfl longhorns in the nfl uh good place to do this because we record on mondays and i don't get to add the monday night football in so we're going to do it in in this show but uh there was some i'm not going to go through every single player but some things that i i liked uh this week couple interceptions from longhorn players not even the positions you always expect and uh his first career touchdown in an unconventional way devin duvernay is is my uh longhorn uh sunday long horn of the week um in a a close game that they won uh ravens over the chiefs 36 to 35 they needed every point they could get uh lamar jackson did the lord's work on a lot of it just amazing performance gutsy from him um but devin duvernay had uh I don't know how you classify it via fantasy football or the scorecard, but basically a fumble recovery touchdown. Uh, the running back got to the goal line, got stood up, the ball popped up in the air, and Devin Duvernay was the closest guy, jumps up and catches it, and then basically just you know dives in from two yards out to get over the goal line. So either it's a uh, gets scored as a zero carry, two yard, one touchdown rushing for fantasy football purposes, but whatever it is, Devin Duvernay got his uh, first career offensive touchdown. He did have a special teams touchdown uh, last year, but uh, yeah. I was, I was, I love seeing it for the Duve. I like watching Lamar Jackson. I think um, we can leave aside the conversations about people figuring him out or if he's worth the money because uh, I think there's a lot tied up in that. But I think Lamar Jackson is one of the most exciting players to watch in the NFL, and he can just turn it on at any moment. Absolutely. Uh, and losing a heartbreaker in week one the, the, to, to win like that, it was it was a good redemption for him, Coach Harbaugh, and he had a beautiful embrace. The, they love each other. I love it. So Adrian Phillips had three tackles, a pass breakup, and an interception. Because Adrian Phillips is a good defensive back at the NFL level playing great for that Patriots team. There was another Longhorn who had a very similar stat line, and I'll just read it to you first. One tackle, one pass breakup, one interception. Except that player was defensive lineman Malcolm Roach, which I love defensive linemen's getting their hand on the ball. I love Malcolm Roach. So there was nothing that I enjoyed more than that. Uh, he, he's trying to keep pace with Lil Jordan Humphrey for who has the most uh, catches of the ball uh, this year. <laughs> Lil Jordan had like a 27-yarder. Uh, this one was not 27 yards, but it doesn't matter. Malcolm Roach got himself a catch on the defense. They call those interceptions. That was fantastic. One So Duvernay and Roach, both balls pop in the air, and they get him because Longhorns, uh, you know, we, we, we are we know what's going on. Aware, aware folks. Um, the last one, Gerald. This is a good performance, maybe not the team performance you were looking for, but Brandon Jones, five tackles and a fumble recovery for the Dolphins, for your Dolphins this weekend. We can have a longer conversation about them <laughs> not like passing up Panay Sewell to draft a wide receiver, whereas like you, yeah. could, you could have drafted Sewell and drafted literally any other wide receiver, and it would have been fine. There's a, there's a longer conversation to have about that. They're going to blame Tua for the lack of offensive protection that he has. It's whatever. Poor, poor Tua. Uh, I wish the best for that guy. Um, all right, Gerald. So let's leave it at the football. Turn it on to 
the other things we were watching on our giant screens, Gerald Godzillatron. What have you been watching? Not a big streaming week for us. It's been uh, heavy work, and then we are obviously got house stuff and all of that. But my wife wanted to watch something new, and so we picked up uh, Only Murders in the Building, which is a, I guess it's a dark comedy, but it's not like, it's not depressing dark comedy, but it is, um, it's about three people who are like obsessed with um, true crime podcasts. And so they, they find out that they're all obsessed with the same true crime podcast and then someone is murdered in their apartment building. And so Ooh. they try to investigate it and make their own podcast as they go. Um, Steve Martin plays a failed actor. Martin Short plays a failed uh, theatrical director. And then Selena Gomez plays kind of the third person. She's actually really good uh, in the in the show. It's really it, we're again two episodes in. It's funny. If you put Steve Martin and Martin Short in anything, I will watch it. Uh, but this is actually legitimately good. I'm really enjoying my time with it. Gerald, I hope that whatever we do in our careers in life, we will always make room for each other in those endeavors. Uh, whether it's this podcast for another hundred years or anything else, uh, the way that Steve Martin and Martin Short do for one another. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So I similar for me, Gerald, and nothing new and exciting to add here. I just kind of been plugging away. I have my show I've been watching and the show I've been watching my wife. I did get out of the first season of 30 Rock. Um, it's getting better and better with every episode. Just loving this show and remembering I'm loving this show. Um, the, I'm getting the itch. Also, by the way, I'll just throw this out for you, Gerald. I, I've seen people tweeting. I think Shay Serrano had a tweet of no one scene will make me cry in insert scene. And it's the Scrubs uh, no spoilers. Where where do you think we are? Uh, one, one of the most seminal moments of television for me. I, I just tear up thinking about it. Um, but anyway, so I'm, I'm getting the edge. I may have to make that my uh, my show that I watch because my wife w- wasn't loving it, and I hate that for us, but uh, that I go through and watch. Once I finish this one, which is uh, Deadwood, I am very, very close, and it's almost like I don't want it to end because it is real good, but I think I have three episodes left of Deadwood. Uh, I got a movie because there's a movie now, but uh, so I'll have to finish the whole uh, completionist out with that, but Deadwood is is it's just good. And Gerald McRaney, who plays uh, George, yeah, absolutely uh, McRaney is a great name. No, I got you, <laughs> Gerald, uh, who plays George Hurst, uh, and is is like what I knew him from. Basically, was Major Dad uh, as a kid in the uh, late eighties, early nineties, and so seeing him be just like a force on screen who can do so much with like disapproving eyebrows um, and, and and shrugs across a, a set, um, just like. He's he's great and a great match for the kind of anti-hero who we end up cheering for, Ian McShane. It's it's a good battle of two great actors, and so uh, the third season, uh, I'm loving it so far. I I think I had expectations that it might be a little less than the first two. Um, we'll see how it ends, but I, I'm loving it. Late stage Gerald McRaney is probably. Uh, my favorite Gerald McRaney, but that's a, a longer conversation. He was in House of Cards for a little bit too. House of Cards. Uh, this is Us. He was on This Is Us for like nine or ten episodes, oh. which was nice. I, I I liked him, but This Is Us is a, I, I fell off because it was it was unnecessarily emotionally baggagey, and I didn't need that in my life. So <laughs> that's all we've got for you this week, Kyle. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer on Twitter at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. The last thing we got to say before we go is, Kyle, I want to shout out. I love all of our, our Twitter fam, but... 
Canadian Longhorn, if you're still listening, please continue to tweet us barbecue picks on game day. It brightens my morning. I really, <laughs> really appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Guns down. Horns up. <laughs>